State Representative Adam Jarko was on the forefront of some very important legislation to you, the homeowner, in his Homeowner Bill of Rights. He joins us in the big program this morning. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good. I have to, first of all, I think, say a little congratulations uh, about the big announcement on Friday. It could be come January, you're no longer Representative Jarko, you are Senator Jarko, but uh, one, one never knows, but I know that you have thrown your hat into the ring. Let's talk a little bit about that first and foremost. Sounds great. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm super excited to, to have this opportunity. As you know, Senator Harsdorf, who's represented my Senate district for uh, since 2001, got appointed by Governor Walker to be the Agriculture Secretary. She uh, resigned on Friday, and Governor called a special election. That's going to happen in a really short time frame. So we're going to have a, uh, if there's a primary, it would be in mid, mid-December and a, and a uh, general election in, in mid-January. I was really blessed and honored to have the support of nearly all of the former uh, state representatives in that Senate district, uh, as well as well as the sitting representative, or one of the other sitting representatives, Rob Staffschultz, uh, and uh, look forward to running a fun race. We spent all weekend getting signatures. You have to, we have to get between four and eight hundred signatures in a, in just just over a week. So mm-hmm. we had a busy weekend, and thank goodness the Packers were on because it gave us a, a lot of different places <laughs> where people were gathered to go get signatures. I would say so. You know that people are going to be somewhere, whether it's in their home or at a tavern somewhere. It's always best to get the signatures at the tavern. It seems to me people are much more open to the thought of. Uh, uh, especially when the Packers are winning, and so and so Sunday was a great day, right? Boy, was everyone in a good mood yesterday. It was. Awesome. I bet they were. I, I bet they were. A little nerve wracking, but uh, yeah, we pulled it off in the end. Now, I, one final question on that point. Two, two. Journalists always have more questions than they say they have. Uh, first and foremost, do you expect a primary challenger? Uh, second of all, uh, why the the move? Uh, you've been. Uh, You've had a good deal of success in terms of reform legislation in the Assembly. Why the move to the Senate? Uh, I'll take the first one first. Not sure on the primary challenger. One of the other representatives um, from the Assembly District, my friend Shannon Zimmerman, had talked about uh, maybe doing it. Uh, He has not announced yet, so I guess we'll we'll see uh, where he comes down on that, and we're ready to roll one way or the other. Uh, Why the move? I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that uh, we have had, and, and I've been fortunate to lead the fight on some really, really good, strong legislation that has rolled back uh, government in some areas, provided property rights protections. Um, I was really proud to co-author the RAINS Act with uh, Representative Malin. Yep. And so I think we've, we've accomplished a lot, but there's a lot left to do. Remember, we have in Wisconsin... Um, you know, one of the higher tax burdens in the country. We still have one of the higher regulatory burdens in the country. And so just because we've done a lot of reforms over the last six or seven years doesn't mean we're nearly nearly done. And I think the Senate gives, gives me an, an excellent opportunity uh, to continue to work on good, solid, uh, pro-free market conservative reforms. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Well, speaking of uh, pro-conservative reforms, and basic liberty reforms, uh, you are uh, the lead sponsor in the Assembly of the Homeowner Bill of Rights. It's a full package. And Senator, uh, Senator Tiffany, is, he was the Senate uh, sponsor, correct? Correct. 
And this is a package of bills that I don't think people fully understand the importance and the significance. I think we finally got an idea of that with the Murr case, and we, we know Murr v. Uh, uh, St. Croix County and the preposterous battle that went on there for this family who's had this home, this property, in their family for generations and because of the way that the the you know the the regulations are set the zoning regulations they they you know they were they were stuck not being able to sell a portion of this property this went all the way to the supreme court the legislation in particular in the bill of rights homeowner bill of rights package it gives the MERS the opportunity the Supreme Court did not. The legislature goes back and changes the law so that homeowners like the MERS don't have to go through this silly song and dance with regulation in the future, correct? Yeah, it, and it does a lot more than that. So I think one of the things that we should talk about a, a little bit here is this has been a great teaching moment because it has given us a chance to talk about our constitutional framework because I have a lot of people, believe it or not, who say to me, well, how can you reverse a U.S. Supreme Court decision through state legislation? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that the U.S. Supreme Court only said that the ordinance on the books right. was not unconstitutional. Now, I disagree with the court, and so did three justices, and if Justice Gorsuch would have been on the court, I'm sure he would have joined the three. Mm-hmm. So it was a very close call whether it was constitutional or not. But, but what, regardless of whether it's constitutional, we do not, in the, in the state or local governments, need to go all the way up and press right against or step over that constitutional line. We can provide more protections for property owners and others than the, the, the nine justices on the U.S. Supreme Court decide with their sort of you know, moving majorities what, what is and what isn't constitutional. We can provide additional protections, and that's what we do here. We say, regardless of what the court says, if you buy a piece of property, we're going we're gonna to make sure that we protect your reasonable expectations. And if the rules change, the goalposts move after you buy that property, we are not, not going to have them move on you. You're going to be grandfathered in. So your lot's going to be grandfathered in. Mm-hmm. Your home, your cabin is going to be grandfathered in. We're not going to do this business where people buy property, um, a local or state or even federal government. We can't do anything about the feds, of course, but local or state government changes the rules. And now you, you lose your reasonable expectation and what that property was. These people lost nearly a half a million dollars in value and, and were uncompensated for that. And I just think that is fundamentally wrong to do to people. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with State Representative Adam Jarko, talking about the Homeowners' Bill of Rights package that did indeed pass in the legislature last week. It's on to Governor Scott Walker's uh, desk. I, I'm not jumping the gun on this. I, I, as I understand it, that's where it was, passed in the Senate, passed in the Assembly now, correct? You got it. We, yeah. we, um, we're really proud of this. I mean, this is one of the things that I think is most important to take away from this. So last summer, the summer of 2016, Senator Tiffany and I rolled this out and said, if we're reelected, we are going to do this. We are going to do this Homeowners' Bill of Rights. And we put together a, a plan and outlines of an idea. And when we got back after being reelected, um, we put together a bill, we worked through the process, we got the stakeholders on board, and we passed a bill. And I think the absence of that in Washington is why people are so frustrated with Washington. It's because politicians do not live up to their word. So the one takeaway, um, if you take away anything from this success, is that in Wisconsin, the Republican majorities are living up to their word. We, we are doing 
what we told the voters that we we would do if they elected us. And I think that's something we should be really, really proud of. Yeah, you're pretty close. You're pretty close, and you're a hell of a lot closer than what's going on in Washington, D.C. There are some setbacks along the way, as, as you well know, and a conversation that I had with a fellow lawmaker in your caucus, and uh, hope to have him on the program this week, uh, he said, and I think you would agree with this, Representative, uh, he said, uh, Wisconsin is indeed open for business, but is it always open for liberty? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree, and that's, that goes back to the beginning of my comments, that we have a lot of work left to do. There, there is uh, an enormous opportunity for us to continue to provide more freedom, more liberty, less government intrusion in our lives. And I, I think that's what our goal should be. I think that is what people are crying out for, um, not only just in, in northwestern Wisconsin where I live, but all across the state people are saying, just let me live my own life. I can, I can do okay without the government helping me at every step of the way. Speaking of living one's own life, here is the notion that I remember back in 1990, 91, as a young pup senior in high school, we were talking about the Gulf of War and the potentiality that uh, we in the senior class would be heading off to the Gulf at that time. And I remember in Clay Schaefer's Social Problems class, I love the, the name of the class, Social Problems, I, I remember the, the argument at that time among 17, 18-year-old fellas, hey, if we can be sent off to war, why can't we drink? Legally, and we, we certainly could drink, as was understood at that time, without an ID, you have the most talked about legislation of the floor session, the fall floor session at the very least, and it has nothing to do necessarily with um, you know, the usual kinds of uh, tax issues or what have you. This is the, uh, your proposal about uh, the drinking age, turning that back to, to 19 in Wisconsin. You've had a few days to get some uh, sense of where all of this is. Where does that notion stand right now? You know, it's been really interesting, the, the dynamic of this bill. I guess I didn't, I didn't fully appreciate how much attention it would get when we put it out. And here's why. Because this is something that probably for as long as I can remember, I've thought about and thought was a common sense reform. And so I didn't give it nearly the credit that it deserved for what kind of media attention it would get. But I've been thrilled with it because it's opened this discussion, not only about, about what you just said, if you're old enough to vote, if you're old enough to go to war, uh, if, if you're old enough to buy a gun, if you're old enough to do all of these things, why, why can't you come back from war and have a beer with your buddies? It's not only open that conversation, but because of the tie to federal highway funding and the mechanism that we had to put in there to make sure we didn't lose federal highway funding, it's opened a conversation about federalism and federal overreach and federal extortion of states on not only this issue, but so many other issues where the federal government holds tax dollars over the state's heads and says, you're going to act the way we want you to or no tax dollars. That is a fundamental violation, I think, of the of the federalist system that the framers set up. And, and I, I've been really pleased at the opportunity to talk about this. And hopefully the Republicans in Congress and the Republican president um, will begin the process of undoing some of the harm that's been done to, to our federal system, our federalism system, uh, by continuing to extort states to, to act the way the federal government thinks is best. Okay. Two questions, final questions for you. What are the chances this thing becomes law in Wisconsin, noting all of what you just mentioned about federal tax dollars and holding tax dollars hostage because of these 
mandates over the years. And secondly, where were you? <laughs> I was in that class and trying to get into the hoist house in Platteville with a bad ID, I might add. Um, so on your first question, it's not clear to me. I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, I think sometimes we, when we propose legislation, they become, you know, something that has to be done over a couple of terms because you have to begin the discussion. So you might remember last week we passed this, uh, unanimously through both the assembly and the Senate an industrial hemp bill for the yep. first time returning industrial hemp. Well, that was proposed last session, got no traction. We didn't get rains done last session. We got that done this session. So sure. my suspicion is we, we may not be able to um, get this done this session, but I think it's open to really good conversation. And, and you know, maybe in future sessions we'd be able to continue to move that ball forward. Very good. Now, what, what, what about the second one? And where was I in 1991? I was in, like, fifth grade or something. <laughs> but you had legislative aspirations there at that time. You could have stood up, you could have stood up for this... This 17, 18-year-old uh, schmuck in social problems class. Well, uh, I thank you for your commitment these days on that particular topic. It's, it's interesting. I, I don't, I, truth be told, I don't know exactly where I stand, but I think it's a good conversation to have. It certainly is a great conversation to have in this atmosphere of uh, government, constant government interference with the individual's rights, and it, it, it's a perfect vehicle for that. Uh, again, congratulations on your run for Senate. I wish you the best of luck, and thank you for joining us on the big show today. Thanks for the time. Have a great week. You bet. Take care. That's State Representative Adam Jarko.